Welcome to the sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church in downtown Bentonville. If you have questions related to what you hear today, or just want to find out more about the ministries of First United Methodist Church, please visit us online at fumcbentonville.org. Amen. What a joy to be with you today. We're going to actually hear two scriptures this morning. Uh, The first one comes from the Gospel of John, and then we will move to the letter to the Ephesians. So hear now the word of the Lord. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus replied, I assure you that you are looking for me not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate all the food you wanted. Don't work for the food that doesn't last, but for the food that endures for eternal life, which the human one will give you. God the Father has confirmed him as his agent to give life. They asked, what must we do in order to accomplish what God requires? Jesus replied, this is what God requires, that you believe in him whom God sent. Therefore, as a prisoner for the Lord, I encourage you to live as people worthy of the call you received from God. Conduct yourselves with all humility, gentleness, and patience. Accept each other with love and make an effort to preserve the unity of the spirit with the peace that ties you together You are one body and one spirit just as God also called you in one hope There is one Lord one faith one baptism and one God and father of all who is over all through all and in all God has given his grace to each one of us measured out by the gift that is given by Christ That's why the scripture says, when he climbed up to the heights, he captured prisoners and he gave gifts to people. What does the phrase he climbed up mean if it doesn't mean that he had first gone down into the lower regions, the earth? The one who went down is the same one who climbed up above all the heavens so that he might fill everything. He gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers His purpose was to equip God's people for the work of serving and building up the body of Christ until we all reach the unity of faith and knowledge of God's Son. God's goal is for us to become mature adults, to be fully grown, measured by the standard of the fullness of Christ. As a result, we aren't supposed to be infants any longer who can be tossed and blown around by every wind that comes from teaching with deceitful scheming and the tricks people play to deliberately mislead others. Instead, by speaking the truth with love, let's grow in every way into Christ, who is the head. The whole body grows from him as it is joined and held together by all the supporting ligaments. The body makes itself grow in that it builds itself up with love as each one does its part. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, open our hearts, our minds, and our eyes that we might see and know the word you have for us this day. In your holy name we pray. Amen. The very first church that I was a member of, I've mentioned before, was Foundry United Methodist Church. And it was a new church started in about our our third year of life. Uh, We decided we would give a spiritual gifts test to the entire congregation. If you've never taken a spiritual gifts test, it's one of those things that kind of determines how the Spirit has gifted you to serve. And, and we had about, at the time, about 50 people in that church. And the test that we were giving was testing for 35 spiritual gifts. So, 
Me, in my great wisdom, I knew, of course, and I knew the people. I knew all 35 gifts were not represented. We were going to have some that were not there, definitely. And so I was in charge of distributing the test and collecting it and scoring it. So as I finished up and looked at the scores, imagine my surprise that all 35 gifts were present in our church as a primary or secondary gift. All 35 of them. That experience taught me that I should not doubt the Spirit. I should not doubt how God will equip us for the work that God means us to do. As I was thinking about that story in light of the scriptures that we're reading here, I I, I looked at the scriptures and thought, it made me reflect on how we got to that place. And I realized that these scriptures sort of gave a map or a pattern to understand how that giftedness takes place. First, we believed. The belief in Jesus Christ then brought us together in community. It was the thing that made us meet together was that common belief. And then as we gathered together in community, we had to figure out how to do this, how to be the body of Christ. And in the midst of that, the Spirit gifted us with everything that we needed. That pattern is the pattern that we will see as churches develop and as they grow into the body of Christ. And, and you might say, well, duh, right? In one way, a uh, big surprise that that's the way it is. In fact, our scriptures are sort of organized in that way, particularly when we think about how the New Testament is organized. Because the Gospels, in many ways, are the texts that draw us to belief in Jesus Christ. Centering around the story of Jesus Christ, they, they call us into that story and call us to that belief. And that's what we're, we're seeing here in that moment in the Gospel of John. People have experienced a miracle with him, but he is then calling them to believe in the one that God has sent. And then following the Gospels and Acts, where the church is learning how to be the church, we then have the letters that are, that are instructive and help people understand, okay, now that you've gathered together in, around this common belief, This is how we all work together in unity, how we exhibit that one faith, worship that one Lord, live into that one baptism. But then you may wonder how I I brought these two scriptures together because it seems kind of random, right, to think about John and Ephesians. But I didn't bring these scriptures together. These scriptures appear in what's called the lectionary. And if you're not familiar with the lectionary, the lectionary is, a, is a, a plan, basically, for preaching through the entire Bible in three years. And it was, it was designed by an ecumenical group, a, a number of people representing all kinds of different churches. They sort of mapped this out. And this is the, the John passage is the passage in the Gospels for this week. And the Ephesians passage is the passage in the letters. And when I was picking this out, I realized that the Holy Spirit was active in pairing these two together in light of where we have been and where we are going. Um, Because I reflected on how well these tie in to the two previous weeks that we have had together. First, they continue the journey of grace. A couple of weeks ago, I talked about that prevenient grace, that, that love of God in our lives before we ever even know God, that God so loves all of us um, that, that God puts a mark on us before we ever even accept that. And that's when I talked about welcoming everyone because that's how we live into prevenient grace. 
But then, because we're Methodists, we have a method about talking about grace, right? And it's, we do everything with a method, right? Um, and so there are two more steps that follow from that. One is justifying grace. So once we've experienced that love, we recognize it, we confess that faith in Jesus Christ, that's our justifying grace moment, um, which is what we hear in the Gospel of John. Believe. Believe. That's what the Lord requires of you. But then we're, we're not left there. There's a journey with God. There's a growing in love and, and growing in unity with one another that happens. And that's sanctifying grace, continuing on in that journey of sanctification. And in that, we are gifted then to be part of this community and to express God's love in a particular way. So it continued that journey of grace to look at these two passages, but it also built on last week. Remember last week I gave you a challenge. I challenged every one of you to have a conversation with myself or Andrea to share more about your story, to answer those four questions that I had mentioned. Um, when did you uh, feel like a, a disciple of Jesus? What's your, where, how does your heart break? What's your joy? And if you could do anything, what would you do? I challenged you to do that so that we could get a sense of what the call is on this church. But then once we have that sense of call, we've got to know how everyone's gifted to make that call happen. So, so this, these passages push us now to think in terms of, yes, you're part of the community. You are bringing a gift to this community for us to be the body of Christ in this world in a particular way. Now, when I say that, a lot of times people will say, uh, I don't know my gifts. I'm, I'm not sure that I'm gifted. We have questions about that. Well, this week you may have noticed in the, in the e-news, we sent out links to take a spiritual gifts test and to take the gospel discipleship test. And I would love for all of you to take those to get a sense of what your giftedness is and then share those again with myself and with Pastor Andrea so that we know how you are gifted. And do not think that you have no gifts. Everyone here is gifted. If you can take a breath, you can serve the Lord. That's right. That's right. And so you're going to have gifts. You will probably not have all of them, though. Because we are meant to bring our gifts together to be the whole body of Christ and to come together. So, so when I acknowledge the fact that you are not gifted with everything, you are gifted in a particular way, I want you to know that that gives you permission to tell me no. If I ask you to do things, how about that? Do you ever think a pastor would tell you, you can tell me no, but you can, right? <laughs> you can tell me no if it's not your gift. Please tell me no. Because if you say yes to something that's not your gift, you're going to get exhausted. You're going to get burned out and it will not bear the fruit the spirit means to bear because somebody else has that gift that needs to step into that role. So if it's not your giftedness, tell me no. But by the same token, you are gifted. So you have to say yes to something. Something is the way you are supposed to serve in this community. And when it is your passion, when it matches who you are, when it matches the way the Spirit has gifted you, there will be no stopping it. So you have to say yes. 
I'm going to tell you it has been my experience in ministry that has taught me the value of saying no and saying yes. And I want to share a couple of stories. First, a story of people who said yes and should have said no. And that is to return to Foundry. So here I was staring at these results, all 35 gifts represented among 50 people, and then almost to a person. Every single person was serving in the wrong way. Yeah, it was a shock. I was doubly shocked. All gifts represented, nobody's serving the way they're supposed to. So I took the results to the church leadership and said, well, this is amazing. God has gifted us in a profound way. All it's going to take is an entire restructure of the whole church. Which they, everybody who was serving in the wrong way, were exhausted and said, we, just, we can't. And that church closed in two years. And then over and over and over in my ministry, I have seen examples where people have said yes and miraculous things have happened. And I was part of one of those this week. Some of you may have seen what I posted on Facebook. I'm going to share it with, with all of you. I taught at Mission U. For those of you who are um, not familiar, actually, Andre and I both taught for Mission U this week. Um, and that's, um, a, it's, it's a school for mission that, that the United Methodist Women put on every year. We suspended last year because of COVID, but it was back. Um, but it was back with some challenges, right? So I'm going to share what I wrote about that experience. I just want to take a moment and lift up our Arkansas United Methodist women. They are pulling off something that few people would even have the energy to try. This year's Mission U, held on both the Hendricks and the First United Methodist Church Conway campuses, has classes that are, one, in-person with no tech, two, in-person with tech, three, all virtual, four, taught by a virtual instructor to an in-person class, and five, made up of roughly half the class in person and half virtual interacting together. There are people staying at home, commuting in for the day, and staying on campus. We are worshiping together from two main locations and as many homes as join us online. Meals are offered in both in-person spaces. People's differing physical and mental abilities are being accommodated, and there is learning happening from preschool to adult. This is a monumental undertaking, and they are doing it with tremendous grace. When you read this, please give them a hand and then let them rest a couple of weeks before you ask them how they made it all happen. The world would have looked at a bunch of little old ladies and said, no way can they pull this off. But those women gathered together and said, I'm bringing my gifts to the table and we will figure this out. And we did. And it happened. And transformation happened. People in classes said they were changed and transformed by the experience that they had there. And they will go back or were already in their locations and transform their spaces as well. Don't doubt the Holy Spirit. And I don't doubt it for us either. So as we face the future ahead of us here in this place, let's remember this. This is what the, lo the Lord requires of us. Believe. Believe in Jesus Christ. 
Keep coming together in community, however we do that. Keep coming together in community. And bring your gifts, your gifts, so that we can serve as that one body, in one faith, with one hope before one Lord. And when we do, we will transform the world. Amen. Thanks once again for joining us on The Gathering Podcast. Grace and peace, y'all.